I wake up with a gnawing sense of dissatisfaction. Already I feel fear. The clock is running in my head. Do I really believe that my work is crucial to the planet's survival? Of course not. But it's as important to me as catching that mouse is to the hawk circling outside my window. He's hungry. He needs a kill. So do I. I say my prayer and head out on the hunt. The sun isn't up yet. It's cold. The fields are sopping. Brambles scratch my ankles. Branches snap back in my face. The hill is a son of a bitch, but what can you do? Set one foot in front of the other and keep climbing. The years have taught me one skill. How to be miserable. I know how to shut up and keep humping. The instincts are taking over. I turn the corner of a thicket and there he is. The nice fat hair I knew would show up if I just kept plugging. I'm grateful. I've earned my keep on the planet, at least for this day. The tension drains from my neck and back. What I feel and say and do this night will not be coming from any disowned or unresolved part of me, any part corrupted by resistance. I go to sleep content, but my final thought is of resistance. I will wake up with it tomorrow. Welcome to So-Called Discoveries, where we discuss stories, knowledge, and insights from somewhere and try to learn something. My name is Anthony Ozzie. What you just heard in the opening passage was an excerpt from The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles, by Stephen Pressfield. The previous episode of this podcast, episode four, was on book one of The War of Art, Resistance, Defining the Enemy. And if you have not listened to that, I recommend you do that before listening to this episode, because this episode is on book two of The War of Art, Combating Resistance, Turning Pro. So we spent most of the last episode talking about resistance and how it manifests in our life and how it prevents us from going after our calling by using our own fear against us, and that we need to use resistance as a compass that points to our true north. The thing that we feel the most resistance towards is the thing that is most important for us to do. In this episode, like I said, we're talking about book two, Combating Resistance and Turning Pro. The author, Stephen Pressfield, says that professionals are not stopped by resistance. They certainly feel it, but they know how to deal with it. An amateur is stopped by the resistance. They either do not focus on the work that is most important to them, or they do it and create it, but they don't release it out of fear. A professional goes beyond this. They're able to combat resistance and beat resistance. And we're going to spend pretty much this entire episode learning how they do that. So that's what you can expect from this episode. How to beat resistance through the lens of how a professional acts. As I mentioned in the previous episode, the author begins each of the three books of The War of Art with a quote. The first book began with a quote from the Dalai Lama. And book two, Combating Resistance, Turning Pro, begins with the following quote. It is one thing to study war and another to live the warrior's life. 
that quote comes to us not from a real person, but from a character from Stephen Pressfield's novels. And that character is Talamon of Arcadia, mercenary of the 5th century B.C. And if you want to learn more about Talamon, you can look into Stephen Pressfield's historical fiction writing. But the point is, studying, thinking, preparing, and living your life according to what the things you've studied, thought about, and prepared for, those are two separate things. Building off of something I mentioned earlier, Pressfield opens up this book by explaining that aspiring artists that are defeated by resistance are thinking like amateurs. The professional is in every way in contrast to the amateur. He says the amateur plays for fun, does it as a hobby, works part-time, and is a weekend warrior, while the professional plays for keeps, does it as a vocation, full-time, and not weekend warrior, seven days a week. And he says that conventional thinking is that an amateur pursues their calling out of love alone, while a professional does it for money. Pressfield does not agree with this line of thought. He says that the amateur does not love it enough. The pro loves it so much that they dedicate their entire life to it. And that's what he means when he says turning pro. And he says that resistance hates it when we turn pro. So we're going to learn about the tactics of how to defeat resistance by learning about what it means to be a professional. And Pressfield offers an excellent example of what he really means by a professional by offering a quote from the writer Somerset Maugham. Maugham was once asked if he writes only on a schedule or only when he's struck by inspiration. And his response was, I write only when inspiration strikes. Fortunately, it strikes every morning at 9 o'clock sharp. This attitude demonstrates an understanding that sitting down and starting to do the work sets the events in motion that produce inspiration. In other words, if you build it, she will come. This is often the most difficult part, beating resistance, just sitting down and starting the work. That's what the passage from the opening of the episode was getting at. He says that he's waking up with a sense of dissatisfaction. He already has fear. He already feels resistance, and he respects it because he knows it can defeat him on any given day. And he uses the metaphor saying that the work is as important to him as the mouse is to the hawk. He's hungry. He needs a kill. So do I. This is the attitude. This is what he means when I know what it means to be miserable. That's an important skill. Being miserable. Shut up. Keep going. And eventually that nice fat hair will show up. And then when it does, and you feel satisfied, resistance is no longer a factor. Even if it's just for that one night, for the rest of that moment, or whatever it is, resistance is no longer a factor because you did the work. And you can go to sleep content, remembering that resistance will be there waiting for you in the morning. Along the lines of how to be miserable, as I mentioned in the previous episode, Pressfield was a Marine. And he says one of the things that the Marine Corps does best is teaching people how to be miserable and teaching them how to love being miserable. And he says that this is invaluable for an artist and that an artist committed to their calling, whether they know it or not, has volunteered for hell. He says the artist must be like the Marine. He must love being miserable because war is hell. In defining what a professional is, Pressfield makes clear that 
we are all obviously already professionals in some aspect, in whatever our jobs are. The qualities that define a professional is someone who shows up every day, no matter what, stays on the job all day or however long you're supposed to stay on the job, is committed over some long period of time, works with stakes that they see as high for themselves, they work for money, and then there's a few interesting ones. One is they do not over-identify with their jobs. He says the amateur composer never writes their symphony because they're overly invested in its success and overly terrified of its failure. They take their job so seriously that it paralyzes them. Interesting. So don't be too invested in the success or the failure of whatever you're doing. Rather, master the technique of whatever it is that you're doing. Become good at whatever it is that job is and let success and failure come as it may. He also says it's important for a professional to have a sense of humor about their job because they receive praise and blame in the real world. All of those qualities of the professional, for the amateurs, it's the exact opposite. So just the inverse of all those qualities is what an amateur is. He says taking a few blows is the price for actually being in the arena and not on the sidelines. That's the difference between the professional and the amateur. The professional doesn't complain. They're grateful. Grateful even for the opportunity to have a failure at their calling. Pressfield says that he realized that he had become a professional not when he had had his first real success, but when he had had his first real failure. That's when he realized he was a professional and that he was in it for the long haul. This is what his life was. We mentioned that the professional works for money, which they do, but they also work out of love. They, in fact, have to do their work out of love, otherwise they wouldn't be able to devote their entire life to it out of their own free will. However, Pressfield says too much love for your work can be a bad thing because it can make you choke. And like we said, you can become overly invested in its results. So the professional needs a healthy sense of detachment in order to have a bit of cold-bloodedness that keeps you from loving your calling or your work so much that it freezes or paralyzes you. Working for money, or at least adopting that attitude, helps with this detachment, with this cold-bloodedness. Because he says the artist is like an infantryman. Progress is measured in yards of dirt extracted from the enemy one day, one hour, one minute at a time and paid for in blood. So a professional is patient. One tactic of resistance is to use our own enthusiasm against us. And this often works against the amateur. Resistance uses this to get them to plunge into their project over-ambitiously, unrealistically, with timelines and expectations that cannot be met. Resistance knows that we cannot sustain this level of intensity and that we will hit a wall and crash. This reminds me a lot of something I've been thinking a lot about, particularly in the past few months. And it's something I've been trying to apply generally throughout my life, whether it's my physical fitness or working on this podcast or anything that I want to make long-term progress and any of my long-term goals. It's consistency over intensity. It's great to have huge bursts of motivation. Let's just use an example of working out. It's great to have a huge burst of motivation and all of a sudden you start working out and you go for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, even two months 
where you're working out every day, working out super hard, and you lose a bunch of weight, and you start to look and feel great, and you feel a great sense of satisfaction from that. But it doesn't mean much if after those two great months, you slowly but surely start to go back to your old ways. So that would be intensity over consistency. Consistency over intensity is accepting that you are not going to be capable of producing the highest levels of intensity in each of your workouts, or even in most of your workouts. By definition, if it's the highest levels of intensity, it's going to be a small subset of your workouts. But if you're able to be consistent, if you're able to say, today at the minimum, I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to go for a walk, or I'm going to go for a bike ride, or I'm going to shoot some hoops, whatever it is. The person who works consistently is always going to beat the person who has intense bursts because the person who's consistent never stops. The professional understands delayed gratification. It comes from patience. They understand the importance of keeping themselves from burning out after any given individual work. And they understand that any job takes twice as long and costs twice as much as you think it does. It's a marathon, not a sprint. The professional is on a mission and they seek order. They do not tolerate disorder. They eliminate chaos from their world in order to banish it from their mind. They keep their environment clean and organized. They need their ideal space for defeating resistance and enabling creation. The professional views their work as a craft. They concentrate on their technique. They master the how. And they do not wait for inspiration. They act in anticipation of inspiration. They know that it will come if they sit down and do the work. So that's what they do. A professional acts in the face of fear. An amateur believes that they must first overcome their fear before they act. The professional knows that they will never overcome their fear. There is no such thing as a fearless warrior, and there is no such thing as a dread-free artist. So the professional accepts no excuses. They respect resistance, so they understand that for any excuse, no matter how plausible or reasonable it is, if they cave today, they are twice as likely to cave tomorrow. I mentioned in the previous episode that Stephen Pressfield has some pretty great sentences. Here's one of them. The professional knows that resistance is like a telemarketer. If you so much as say hello, you're finished. The professional doesn't even pick up the phone. He stays at work. A professional is prepared. Yes, prepared for their craft, that goes without saying, but they are prepared to confront their own self-sabotage each day. As we said in the last episode, resistance is self-sabotage. Resistance will throw everything it's got at us, things we've never seen before. The battlefield changes every day. Resistance is always adapting. So a professional becomes dedicated to mastering the technique. They never consider themselves superior to their craft. They recognize all the contributions that came before them, and they want to be in full possession of the skills that they need whenever inspiration does strike. Another important aspect of a professional that I found particularly interesting is that Pressfield says that a professional distances herself from her instrument. She does not identify with it. And her instrument is 
whatever it is. You could be a, a writer, a speaker, a painter, or even something non-creative. Whatever it is that your field is, whatever your instrument is, whether it's your knowledge of the law or your knowledge of software development or whatever. You do not identify with your instrument. She has a more simple view on it. She understands that this gift, this talent, whatever it is, it's simply what she was given. It's what we have to work with. That's all it is. So we assess it coolly and impersonally and objectively. We don't identify with our talents and our gifts. We just understand that that's something that we have. What we identify with is our consciousness and our will, not the instrument that we use to manipulate in order to serve our art or to do our work. Along those lines, we do not take failure or success too personally. In other words, we need to have thick skin. Our professional consciousness needs to be in a place other than our personal ego. This takes a lot of strength and a lot of character because our instincts run counter to it because of evolution. We are wired to feel failure and to feel rejection deep within us, especially when it comes to rejection from the tribe. We already learned in the previous episode, pursuing your calling is often a lonely endeavor and that this has a lot to do with our feelings of fear and rejection when it relates to pursuing things that are important to us. Resistance uses our deeply wired fear of failure and rejection to prevent us from doing our important work or from exposing it to the public. It makes sense if you think of people from long, long time ago, back in the days of tribes. If you did something or said something or exposed some idea or something that you did in some way to the tribe and you were rejected, that could be a very serious situation for you. If you were rejected from the tribe, that might mean death. So there are good reasons why we feel these things, but we need to be aware of them. The battle is in our own head. We cannot let external criticism, even if it's true, fortify our internal enemy, which is resistance. Resistance is strong enough. And it's an internal enemy, and we can't let the outside make it even stronger. So we need to stand apart from our performance in our minds. He says that the Bhagavad Gita, which is a Hindu religious text, teaches that we only have the right to our labor, not the fruits of our labor. So the professional loves their work. They're invested wholeheartedly in their work. But the work is not them. Success and failure happen as they will. Our artistic, creative self contains many works within it. So professionals self-validate. They're tough-minded. They improve where they fall short. And where they triumph, they make things even better. They work harder. They come back tomorrow. They do listen to criticism for learning and growth, but they always remember that resistance uses criticism against us for its own purposes to break our dedication. A professional will not fall for it. They will not let resistance win in this way. So failure, rejection, criticism, they're all part of the adversity that a professional must endure. And they must also endure humiliation. And they must understand how to not take humiliation personally. Humiliation, like those other things, is an external reflection 
of our internal resistance. A professional, like we said, self-validates. The amateur lets negative opinions from other people unsettle them. They take that criticism to heart and they let it overpower their own belief in themselves and in their work. A professional controls their reactions and their emotions to the criticism and the negative opinions of others and they do not take it personally. They maintain their own personal sovereignty over the moment and over the situation. No matter what, they have a job to do right now, right here. Regardless of any opinion or criticism from the outside, it is still completely within our power to do that job. We cannot allow the actions of others to define our reality. Resistance wants us to cede our sovereignty to others and stake our own self-worth, our own identity, on the response of others to our work. This is something that no human can take, and resistance knows this. So we must brush the critics off. Another important aspect of being a professional is the ability to reinvent yourself. As we've said over the previous episode in this episode, Pressfield believes that artists all serve the muse and that the muse may have more than one job for us over a single lifetime. We need to make sure we don't get locked into one version of ourselves, however comfortable or successful that version might be. Pressfield says, the professional is like a transmigrating soul. He shucks his outworn body and dons a new one. He continues his journey. Pressfield says professionals are also recognized by other professionals. In their giving craft, a pro can sense who has served their time and who hasn't. One of the final aspects of being a professional discussed by Pressfield in book two of The War of Art is a concept he refers to as you ink, And this is U-Y-O-U, Inc., as in incorporated. And what he means by this is that we need to think of ourselves as a business, not as an individual. And as a creative, as an artist, as a professional, if you think of yourself as a business, then you allow yourself to wear two hats, the hat of the artist and the hat of the executive. And because you wear two hats, you now have the ability to both hire and fire yourself. We separate the artist, that is the one doing the work, from the consciousness or the will that is actually running the show, which would be the executive. So the artist, which is responsible for creating, and the executive, which is responsible for making sure the artist creates in a way that is sustainable for the business. No matter what happens to the artist, no matter how the artist is feeling, the executive needs to be ruthless, needs to keep going, and they understand that. The artist might get an ego, but the executive, the boss, remembers to bring them down a peg or two. Thinking of yourself as a business and as having to wear these two hats also gives yourself a healthy distance on yourself. And it makes you a little less subjective and it makes you take things a little less personally as well. And it gives you a little bit more of that cold-bloodedness we referred to earlier. Resistance is a bully. We learned in the previous episode it has no strength of its own. All of its power comes from our own fear of it. The essence of professionalism is a focus on our work and its demands, 
above all else while we're doing that work. I know I keep saying this, but something we also learned in the previous episode was that Stephen Pressfield has written historical fiction and that one of the things that he wrote about was the ancient Spartans and the Battle of Thermopylae. And he says that the ancient Spartans schooled themselves to regard any enemy as both nameless and faceless. In other words, it does not matter what they were facing. They believed if they did their work, there was no force that could stand against them. They did not need to consider who the enemy was. Resistance is the enemy that keeps on coming. We need to think of it as the Spartans thought of all of their enemies, as nameless and as faceless. Resistance keeps on coming. So we as professionals need to come even harder. We must beat resistance at its own game by being even more resolute, more unstoppable, more undeniable than it is. There is no mystery to being a professional. Turning pro is a decision brought by an act of will. We make up our mind to view ourselves as a professional and then we do our work. Once we do this, we can move beyond resistance. And that is the subject of our next episode, which is on book three of The War of Art. And book three is Beyond Resistance, The Higher Realm. And it is all about once we have learned how to defeat resistance day in and day out, where do we go from there? We've mentioned the muse on a few occasions in the previous episode and in this episode. Well, in the next episode, part three, the final part of our discussion on the War of Art, we will dive deeper into the muse, including Pressfield's advice on how to invoke it and what the life of an artist is like. Stay tuned for that episode. This has been a discussion on book two of the War of Art, Combating Resistance and Turning Pro. If you are enjoying these episodes on the War of Art or this podcast in general, you can leave it a review on either Apple or Spotify and a rating of up to five stars. You can also get in touch if you'd like. There's a link in the bio that will give you links to all of our social accounts and an email address that you can email me if you have some thoughts that you'd like to share about the episode or some ideas for things you want to hear about in the future. Also in the show notes is a link to buy The War of Art from Amazon if you are interested in reading the book. As I mentioned in the previous episode, it is a great book. It is something that is highly important to me that I read for the first time uh, maybe two or three years ago. So I would highly recommend it. And it is very easy to read. The chapters are very short. In many cases, they're less than two pages. So there's a link to that in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to Stephen Pressfield's website. He is the author of this book and many others. You can find the links to all of his other books, including his many fiction novels on his website, as well as some resources and materials for artists and writers in particular. Thank you very much for listening and offering some of your time. I hope that you have learned something. Goodbye. Thank you.